Hello, universe. It's Aiden Taco Jones. You're listening to Sitting Under a Tree, Tuesday, 15th of January, 2019. Skirt. <laughs> Get on that small skirt. Skirt. And um, uh, my mate uh, showed me this game called Small Smile. It's a silly game where, uh, credits to Luca Muller on this one, um, you fucking you uh tell your friend a piece of like fun information like oh jenny and the kids are <laughs> i was about to say jenny and the kids are getting married no that's all that's, that's terrible news jenny and the kids are getting divorced <laughs> jenny married her kids and then she had a change of heart she realized that actually she'd done a very bad thing uh both polygamous and incestuous and so she decided to annul the vows and then your friend, upon hearing the news, has to react. <laughs> mm. Has to react by um, by giving the smallest possible smile, hence the name "small smile." Um, so just it's like a real, just a tiny smile. I'm gonna do it right now, so you guys can see. Ah, oh, that was too big. Wait, wait. <laughs> this is so dumb. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah, you fucking saw that. <laughs> now, nah, for real though, great game, but obviously doesn't translate to podcast. So, uh, the new game is small skirt. Skirt, as in like the thing, <laughs> the thing that rappers all say on tracks, or or fucking Cardi B says or whatever. Which is like, oh, grrr. you do a little one when you're having fun, isn't it? When you fucking uh, sitting around the campfire with your mates and you're like, I'm having a nice time. Skirt. It's a little tiny. It's like a purr. It's like a kitten purring, but like, it's like a it's like a kitten being kicked actually, and the air is like coming out of its lungs. So that's what I do now when I'm having fun, and I implore you all to do the same. I am drinking my tea today, by the way. Thank you very much, Michael, for your lovely message. You fucking weak dog. You're right. I am always drinking tea on the podcast. And that's because it makes me feel good, all right? And I won't be attacked or persecuted for that choice. Um, oh, man, I feel great. I'm, I'm fucking in. I am into, like, I'm leaving for Perth tomorrow morning. And uh, my first show's on Friday. I've sold 52 tickets, which is, I reckon, I'm not going to check now, but I reckon that's more than I did for the entire of my Perth Fringe run last year. So... That's already great, you know? Like, my settlement is already... Uh, what I just... I literally just checked now. Uh, I closed the window. Uh, I, hadn't, I hadn't sold any more since I last checked fucking 12 hours ago. <laughs> but my settlement for what I'll get at the end of the fringe is already about equal to what my settlement was at the end of my run last year. That And that is just a fucking indictment on how garbage the Perth Fringe was and my venue and my time slot. I was doing 5.30pm. Go fuck yourself. Um, I'm so pumped for this run, but now I'm in Fringe mode of like, because I'm the fucking producer of my show and I have the control of checking all the tickets and everything, I'm just checking tickets non-stop. <laughs> it's so brutal. I reckon I checked three times yesterday because, dude, I'm telling you, ticket sales is better than any fucking social media likes or, or or shares or anything, ticket sales for an event that you're producing and performing in 
it's like the endorphins of people like me coupled with the endorphins of I'm going to be able to pay rent in two months when I get the money. Probably three months, actually. But it's money as well, you know? So um, I'm checking that a bunch. I had a lovely feature. Thank you to Express Magazine for doing a feature on me. Um, if anyone hasn't read that, go check out um, go check out my fucking page and the link that I posted today. Um, and read their feature if you want a little insight into what the show's kind of turning into. Um, I'm super excited for these first shows. Uh, was very, well, yeah, was pretty happy with the with the um, with the trial on Saturday. Um, there's still like parts of the show that need more jokes and shit, and the ending was pretty fucked. But it was good to have that trial and to know the things that I need to work on ahead of the show on Friday, which so far we've sold two tickets for. So swings and roundabouts. <laughs> I honestly reckon it's going to be fine. I'm going into this very optimistic. Um, oh, last week, fuck, that's what I want to talk about. Last week I was talking about that dude. Someone kind of, to- like, I think I'm not very good at reading between the lines or, like, I, I really just take whatever people say at face value. I'm a very gullible person. And that guy last week <clears throat> who... um. Maybe this isn't exactly the definition of gullible, but that guy last week who I was talking about, I did crowd work with, and he, he said he came to Australia from the UK to visit his girlfriend, his ex-girlfriend, and she had bipolar, so she freaked out and kicked him out. I just took that as that's the story, right? But then someone, or a couple people actually, who listened to the podcast, spoke to me and were like, you know, that doesn't really sound that much like how bipolar works. Like, you're just going to skits out and you're like, oh, I'll get out of my house, you know, like, and then did she not let him back in after that? Like, they were basically getting at it sounds like this guy was, like, maybe his ex-girlfriend didn't necessarily want him to come to the country and he was a little bit crazy. I just, I, I never considered that. I guess because of the feeling in the room at the time, if you listen to last week's podcast and the, like... The feeling in the room was everyone was so on board with this guy and, and, and the story that he was telling. I guess it didn't lend itself to questioning him because he seemed so lovely, you know? But um, having someone else... I mean, this is the kind of thing that, like, I really want to get to the bottom of, but also it's literally the most personal story <laughs> that you can possibly have. There's no way that I'm going to... I mean, I can't even find that guy even if I wanted to. Okay, I guess I could check the news... <laughs> <laughs> see if it's real, but, <laughs> oh god, bipolar woman murdered by English ex-boyfriend, police investigate, comedian, it's, um, it's a super personal story, I'm never going to get to the bottom of it, but that's, in- I mean, there's two sides, always, isn't there, and I literally just didn't consider the other side, that, um, that maybe they broke up, because they just weren't meant to be together, maybe she broke up with him, but she didn't have the heart to be like, I mean, this happens a bunch. I'm talking about this in my fucking show. I, I, I was the her in this situation. And then last year when I went to Edinburgh, I was the him in this situation of like, at times it's hard to, to break to someone that what they're willing to do for you, not only would you not do for them, but you maybe even don't really want them to do that for you maybe he was all all loved up going up you're amazing i love you i'm gonna come 
to Australia and, and let's reconnect. And she was just like, I guess. I was talking to a friend uh, the other day. Oh, man. Had a beautiful day at the beach. Um, down at fucking Half Moon Bay. I'll talk about that in a bit. But uh, on the way back, we're driving back. And uh, my mate was talking about how this girl who we were seeing a few years ago basically came to Australia and uh and and he had said to her like oh if you're gonna come to Australia like you know if it's for this reason and this reason that's fine and she went yeah it's just because of like work and nah, nah, nah. but then when she got into the country it became pretty apparent through her telling a few of his friends but not actually communicating it with him that the reason that she had come wasn't because of all those things it was actually to be with him and if she had just said that initially he wouldn't have, he would have been like, well, that's like, you know, I'm, I'm not in it for that. So if that's the reason you're coming, then maybe think about not coming because it's not going to be the way you think it's going to be, you know? I guess it just all is fucking, this is such a lame conclusion to get to and not funny, but it's just all about communication. Like, I'm, I'm kind of trying to talk about this in my show, but if, when Melanie came to Australia this in 2012, this my girl that I French girl that I met in Bolivia came to Australia to be with me. She told me she was coming, and I didn't have the guts or or the self awareness to search myself, realize that I didn't actually want her to come, and then go, "Hey, maybe you know, I it was nice what we had, but let's leave it at that." I didn't have the balls to do that, so I just pretended that I was excited and went, "Yay, come!" And then she came, and it was awful. And uh, maybe that's what happened with this guy. I wonder who was at fault. Or maybe both people are at fault. Or maybe it's exactly what he said and I need to believe him. Hashtag me too, you know? <laughs> I bet I just made someone real angry. Mm. But uh, yeah, it was just an interesting other side to that story because I totally just took what he said at face value and didn't apply any amounts of critical thinking to it whatsoever. Maybe he was a dangerous psychopath chasing this woman around the globe. And I was like, that's such a beautiful story, man. You're <laughs> it's just like there's a glimmer of steel hidden under his sock that he covers quickly. Oh, yeah, a beautiful story. He's just like runs out of the... Yeah, I, that was supposed to be a knife was what I was getting at there. A glimmer of steel. Fucking who talks like that? What am I, a failed poet? Yes, on some level. <laughs> um, yeah, trial show was sick. Um, also, I had Pete Jones' trial show, the legendary Pete Jones. Go and fucking see. That motherfucker deserves um, deserves way more attention than what he's getting. Um, go and, if you're in Melbourne, in the Melbourne Comedy Festival, go and see his fucking show because he's one of the best, most consistent comics in Melbourne and he barely even got a fucking room in the festival. 6.15 at the Greek Centre every day, most days of the festival, I think. Late March, early April. Look it up. Pete Jones, fucking, the dude's a killer. Uh, he did his trial show and it was like, I mean, talk about a window into it, someone who has a completely different process to me. Because in my show, the way I do it is I figure out what the story is and then I, I tell the story and then once the story is coherent, I write the bits, I write the jokes to go in the story. So by showtime, I definitely have a story, but I might not have enough jokes to make it funny. Pete 
in the complete opposite direction. The way he did his trial was he had a, a whiteboard with a bunch of bits written down, just all jokes that he's written that he's tried out in clubs, and then he just did them all back to back to back. And he said at the start, if you notice a theme developing, tell me because I'll cut those jokes because I don't want there to be a theme. I don't want there to be a story. And he said, if you don't, it was the whole exercise for him was just what jokes do you like? What jokes don't you like? Because I want to cut jokes and I have more jokes than I need right now. So just tell me what ones and I'll cut them. (laughs) It was fucking brutal. I was like, man, if I could fucking cut jokes out of my show, I would be on easy street. That'd be incredible. It was so great. It was fucking very cool to see. And that dude's going to have the funniest show, for sure. He's going to have a crazy, punchy show. Um, But, oh, man, the beach. All right, let's talk about the beach. Went to the beach. I've been swimming a lot recently, actually, and I think I've burnt my back. Um, Yeah, woke up on fucking Sunday, got home. Um, It was like... (laughs) I, uh, I, I woke up at a lady's house and then I, you know, fucking got out of there, got a bun me, made my way home and I messaged, um, messaged Phil and he was like, yeah, we might be going to the beach. So, um, I was like, I'll get home and then it'll be like, I had to do a gig at five. So I got home at like, when did I get home? Maybe like one. And I was like, if he doesn't get here pretty soon. I'm, I was so hungover, and I was just like, if he doesn't get here pretty soon, I'm just going to have to call it, because it's going to be, we're going down to Half Moon Bay, which is like near Sandringham, it's like an hour almost to get down there, so um, I get home, I take my shirt off, it's hot, I put my fan on me, I lie on the floor of my living room with my head resting on a cushion, go to fall asleep, two minutes later, Phil rocks up at the door, and I'm like, cool, let's go to the beach, but also fuck you. Because I just wanted to lie on the floor and not do anything. Um, but we went and, oh my god, man, Half Moon Bay. You forget. You forget living in Melbourne. That, like, the places... There's there's whole mess of beaches all the way down the southeast. Running from the absolute dog shit that is St Kilda Beach. All the way down through fucking Elwood... Mentone down to Sandringham and uh, and that beach at Half Moon Bay was incredible. There's like a sunken boat out the back. All the kids were swimming off the boat, swimming off the boat. Uh, they were jumping off. The, there were all these fucking kids like jumping off this old sunken boat. But it's like a long way out. There were fuckloads of people. We had beers. It was clear. <laughs> I'm recommending the beach. Skirt. <laughs> hmm. Heard of it before? It was so great, man. It just there's something about getting in that water that's just like, you fucking get in the water and the hangover is gone. There is no more hangover, you know? And oh my God, I cannot wait to get to Perth and be staying, um, staying with a mate in, I think, Scarborough. But it's like, we're just going to be next to the beach, fucking swims all the time. Ugh. That's actually going to be great. I feel like I'm not going to be going to that many cafes. I'm going to take my little coffee maker that I got for Christmas. I've got uh, one of those little stovetop guys, just a little two cup. Um, going to take that down to Perth, buy some ground coffee and just make that every day and fuck off the cafes 
and instead I'll spend my time going for swims. Riding in the morning, go for a swim in the afternoon, head back, make lunch, go out, fly for my show. Oh my God, what an absolute dream. Um, last night, maybe I'll talk about last night. I'll talk about a song. Let's do a song. I mean, how long have I done there? Oh, fuck yeah. I mean, no, I can, I'll just talk about last night. Last night was, uh, such a perfect night, man. It was really, uh, I did a show at Boney and I mean, I've been bombing a lot for the last week cause I've been trying to do stuff out of my show and it's just not working and the jokes aren't good enough to be, you know, in a five minute set or whatever, which is my problem that I need to address and I don't know why I'm burdening you guys with it. But, um, oh, I went and did a show. I did fine. <laughs> I got a laugh at the end, which was just like the luckiest thing ever. I did this fucking story about Melanie coming to Australia and how we broke up. And then at the end, I just put some fucking bullshit punchline what was it? It was like, uh, we had a car ride back and, uh, and I won't even do the joke. It's in my show, whatever, but it was a bullshit punchline. And thank God, I think the audience were just like, if we laugh now, then he'll get off stage. <laughs> I think they like, there's like a certain telepathy of like, let's all end this now before it goes any further. And the way that we end it is to massage the performer's ego to a point where they consider their job done. So they all just went, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, good enough for me. <laughs> Got the fuck out of there. Um, but uh, I wasn't even really that bummed. I'm more like right now, honestly. I'm I'm just excited to um to get over to Perth and do those Friday shows. So and do that for whatever. So uh, I did that. Got some macas. Treated myself to some macas, like a little fat pig, like a little fatty boy, and then um. Went over to fucking Footscray. Um, Blake and Brendan were hanging out in Footscray. They'd been like swimming and shit. Went over there and we like lit a fire in the backyard. And uh, just like, fuck, playing with fire, man. I'm all about playing with fire. I haven't done that. When's the last time I lit a fire? Oh, man. Like ages, like maybe years. It's the last time I lit a fire. What the fuck? I want to get into, um, I want to get into, like, cooking over a fire now. We lit a fire in the backyard in this, like, little fire pit. And they had, um, in their backyard, right in the back, they had, like, banana trees. So, um, there were, like, all the dead leaves and stuff in the backyard from the banana trees. And we, like, kept picking those up and putting them on the fire and lighting shit. We had these two big logs and they burnt down. I pulled down a bit of bamboo as well. They were, like, bamboo trees. So I, like, snapped a bit of bamboo and was just, like, poking the fire with it. And, I mean, we did, like, what, I guess we must have lit the fire at, like, 11, maybe, 10 o'clock. And we were there until 2 in the morning, just drinking, talking shit fucking playing with the fire, burning stuff, um, I took off my shirt, my, uh, shirt that I, uh, I think I told this story before, but, um, I bought this shirt just after comedy festival when me and Blake went to the fucking DFO with our comedy festival money, bought a bunch of clothes, it was a nice shirt, and then, uh, when I first got to London in the summer, I fucking washed it with a black, like jacket that I hadn't washed before and it just went this weird kind of muddy gray color and I was wearing it because I still like the design but 
I was always, I think I was always hanging on to a lost glory with that t-shirt, you know? How long is a shirt even supposed to last for? I don't find, I get confused about that shit. Because when I buy something, I'm like, this is a good thing now. And then I almost get upset when it deteriorates. I'm like, I'm like, I want to call the company. I want to find out who's responsible for this poor craftsmanship. When it's like, it's a shirt you've been wearing once a week for fucking six months. It's going to get dirty. It's going to get tatty, you know? Um, anyway, that shirt, I've been, you know, every time I, every time I looked at that shirt, I just remembered that it used to be different and it's like, was getting pretty thin. So, uh, chucked it on the end of the bamboo stick, held it over the fire, said a little prayer to myself, uh, just for fucking, for good ticket sales in Perth. God, that's lame. (laughs) I literally did that. (laughs) <laughs> I hope that a lot of people come to my half-finished production of 52 Days, A Story. Um, <laughs> I, uh, and then, like, held it over the fire, and I, like, put the stick on the back, like, where the tag is on the collar, so, and held it over the fire, and the warm air, like, blew it up, like, one of those, uh, one of those little dudes, like, the arm flaily dudes out the front of used car yards. Um, blew it up and you could, and then like the, like the red from the fire was inside it and it was like projecting so I could see, you could see like the design on the shirt and then it just went up in flames. Oh man, it was so dope. Burning shirts, dude. You got to burn more of your clothes. That's, that's a resolution for 2019. Burn more clothes. (laughs) Don't. Don't give them to the fucking salvos. Don't give them to charity shops. Burn them. Release the spirits, man. You don't want other people wearing your stuff. You know, that's if it's got all your stories in it. No, burn it. You should have a fire once a month where you burn one item of clothing and that will keep you... Will, ma- will force you to keep your fucking wardrobe fresh, won't it? If you have to cull... That's actually not even a bad idea. Cull one item of clothing from your wardrobe a month? I'd be out of stuff by the end of the year, I reckon. But then you got to buy one new thing a month. So maybe you buy, like, fucking five or six things at one point. But, that, fuck, that's a good idea. Maybe I'll burn... <laughs> I'm just looking for an excuse to burn stuff. Maybe I'll burn... One item of clothing every month for 2019. <laughs> and then I'll write a show about it next year. Done. <laughs> and <laughs> Ugh, That's the worst idea I've ever had in my life. Um, we were listening to music. I guess the music recommendation for this week, just because I haven't been listening to anything else. I was listening to... Um, I've been listening to that fucking song from last week, man. Last week, man. Tommy's Party, Peach Pit. Holy fuck. What a song. It's been stuck in my head all week. But um, last night, because we were sitting around the fire and drinking, and it was getting pretty late. And, uh, oh my god. Sorry. It's so fucking hot in Melbourne right now. I'm sweating. And I'm like leaning against my door and just slipping around like a fucking fish. This is disgusting. I can't wait to get to Perth where, reportedly, it is hotter. So... <sighs> Um, yeah, we were playing, um, we went through all the classics, man, but, uh, the one that stood out, oh my god, One Crowded Hour, Augie March, 
just like I don't even remember when I heard, first heard that song. I reckon, I reckon I first heard that song the year that it won the Hottest One Hundred. Um, and it's like. Uh, yeah, for some reason I hadn't heard it before that, but I heard it and was just... I, I think that was at the point where I was still trying to pretend like I was up with all the stuff that they were playing on Triple J. Um, so I listened to the album as well. And it's a rare song that is so good that it can literally carry an entire album. Like, the rest of the album is like, it's alright, but everyone... No one's under any fucking misconceptions that that album was... <laughs> Uh, wait, let, let me see. Moo You Bloody Choir. That's the name of the album. And it's the first track on the album. And then the rest of the 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 rest of the time, you're just fucking still basking in the afterglow of that incredible song. Um, I remember listening to it. When's Moo You Bloody Choir? When's that come out? 2006. Oh, fuck. Ages ago. I remember listening to that song when I first moved to Melbourne. I got a job at Yaya's and uh, I got fired. I've, I've probably told this story a bunch before. I love telling it, but I got, why do I love telling this story? I got fired um, because I was working as a tour guide as well. And I drank with my tour group all the way from the end of the tour at 1 p.m. <clears throat> I work at midnight at Yaya's. I drank all the way through to like 11, 11 p.m., rocked up to work at 11.45 and then passed out on a couch and woke up at 12.30 to my manager kicking me going, ah, man, you're fucking, you need to go home. And I remember having a moment of like looking at him with red eyes and just being like, oh, fine. And he's like, mate, you can't even look at me straight. Um, so they sent me home and then the next day they told me I was fired. And um, on the way home, I guess I was just like melancholic and feeling very sorry for myself that I'd been sent home because I needed the money or whatever. Uh, and I sang One Crowded Hour, I chucked it on, on YouTube on my phone, put my headphones in, and screamed it at the top of my lungs, all the way down, back from Yaya's in Collingwood, all the way back to my house in Richmond, uh, which is not a short walk, it's like a half hour walk, and uh, I was just walking along the tram tracks there at night, because the trams had stopped, in the middle of the tracks, like, thank God that stopped, um, and I woke up the next morning with a with just like my voice, like no voice. I just screamed my fucking heart out. I remember when I got fired from that job that uh, the lady, Rachel, the lady who had hired me and I think was part owner, she, she was the manager for the six months that I worked there and then she'd just gotten pregnant so she went on maternity leave and Braden, how do I remember these people's names? That's fucking crazy. Maybe the reason I forget people's names isn't because I'm bad with names. It's just because I know if someone else knows them, I can outsource that brain power to them. And maybe the names that I remember are the names of people who I know. I know no one else knows the names of those people that I worked with because I'm not friends with any of those guys anymore. So my brain goes, ah, oh, you gotta, you got to get that one yourself. That's fine. It's a decent theory, I reckon. <laughs> maybe I'm just very selfish with my brain power, with my brain's computational... <clears throat> So, um, yeah, Rachel went on maternity leave and then Brayden was going to be the manager going forward. And, uh, and I did that and Brayden was the one who sent me home. And then I got a call from Rachel 
like the next day going, um, hey man, uh, no, she messaged me actually. She messaged me and she was like, if it was up to me, I would forgive and forget, but uh, Braden is going to be the new manager while I'm away. And uh, he said that he he thought that you should, um, yeah, that he, he probably didn't want you there because you were too much of a liability. And, uh, and that made me sad and I messaged back and whatever, but it's fucking, I've been fired before. <laughs> I know, I know the drill. <laughs> and, um, anyway, I was talking to, I did have a few friends there that worked there for a while afterwards and they asked Braden and they said that he didn't say that he wanted to fire me, that he thought it was fine and that it was Rachel's choice. And I thought that was very funny that she was too much of a coward to fire me herself. Nevertheless... I absolutely deserve to be fired, and upon reflection now, years later, I actually reckon that they both would have said, yeah, we probably need to fire this dude, <laughs> and then just neither of them took responsibility for it, because because <laughs> they didn't want to upset the troops. <laughs> That's probably the reality, isn't it? They were probably like, should we get rid of this guy? Yeah, we should get rid of him. He showed up drunk and passed out on a couch. Either of us need to take responsibility for it? Nah, we'll just tell him that the other one did it, and it's fine. Sick. Cool. High five. Go have your baby, Rachel. Um, anyway, that's fucking one crowded hour. We were singing that last night. We, we put it on, and we were just sitting around the campfire singing it, and it was... It was just one of those evenings that... This is going to sound super lame, but this has been a pretty lame podcast, to be honest. I don't think I've really made myself laugh once properly. Um, <laughs> no, the small screw gets you over the line. Um, <laughs> like a little kitty. Um, it was one of those nights that just felt very easy. It didn't feel forced at all. There was no plan. And then it was like... I, th- I can't remember who said it, but it was like the times that they've had at that house previously, because Brendan's only been living there for a few months, but it's always been like, we're going to drink here to then go somewhere else. It's like a pre-drink place. But that was the first time that they drank there when it's just, this is what we're doing. And that's that was the perfect thing to do on a Monday night, man. Didn't even get too drunk. We ran out of booze at the perfect time. Otherwise, we would have just drank till sunrise. We ran out of booze at about 11.30, at about 1.30 in the morning. And uh, the fire kind of died down. I poured a bunch of water from the fucking pool on it. And we went home. Ah, the perfect evening, man. I reckon that's the pod for this week. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you're in Perth or if you know anyone in Perth, please get them to come to my show. Go on uh, my AJ Taco Facebook page. And uh, if you know anyone from Perth, get them to share the link that I posted with the feature that I got in Express Magazine. And get them to buy tickets, tell them that I'm great, and uh, I'll fucking see you next week, man. <laughs> Have a great one. It's been Aiden Taco Jones sitting under a tree. Peace.